You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 714 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Friday evening and after what became a pretty interesting game between the Hawks and the Boston Celtics up at TD Garden in Boston. The Hawks were very, very shorthanded in this game, but they ended up coming back in a pretty valiant effort, honestly, from the uh, visiting team. Um, still lost by a five-point margin, but certainly not a game that was disappointing necessarily with uh, all of the context required. Not too much to discuss in terms of uh, non-game stuff on on this particular night, but I will remind everybody to go back and listen to all the podcast content that we did about the trade deadline between the Capella trade and the Deadman trade and all the sort of peripheral moves from Thursday. All that stuff's broken down in the last few shows, so please go back and subscribe. Tell a friend, subscribe, download all that stuff, and I really appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. For tonight, though, it's Friday. It's going to be a little bit shorter than usual, probably, but a lot of interesting stuff to discuss on this game recap podcast, the Hawks were pretty shorthanded in this game and even more so than they were expecting to be. Um, originally, um, Cam Reddish was still um, doubtful listing. So was Bruno Fernando. They had both those guys missed this game. Downray Hunter did return um, and I guess played, um, was questionable coming in and then was upgraded during the day and ended up playing a, a pretty good amount in this game. And then no Capella still for the Hawks, of course. There was some mystery about Dwayne Dedman playing in this spot. He was in Boston and got there early enough to play, but I guess there was some sort of a hiccup or something like that, or at least a delay when it comes to his trade processing because the Hawks are still listing him out as part of the trade pending uh, listing. And just for the record there, by the way, that could be anything. It could be a physical on the other guy on the other end of the uh, spectrum because everyone has to pass their physicals before Dedman can actually play and could have been that Lennon Parker didn't get there or something like that. So no reason to panic just yet. And we, we, we might see Dedman on Sunday at home against the Knicks. Elsewhere, um, by the way, Scalabissier also not in Boston, and he was not available in this game. But then Trey Young was the surprise. He was he was originally listed as probable with an ankle contusion, and then he was uh, sort of surprisingly downgraded to doubtful with about 45 minutes before tip-off, and then uh, out about 20 minutes after that. So, um, you know, I, I don't think there was necessarily anything big with Trey. He was in uniform. Um, of course, the Hawks had to have a certain amount of people dressed out in this game and active, so he was around, but he was obviously not playing in the spot. Looked to be okay. He was, he was up and moving around fine, so I, I don't think it's going to be a long-term issue for Trey, but certainly something to circle because the Hawks are not supposed to win, obviously, on the road against Boston without Trey Young. Uh, in fact, uh, by the way, the Celtics were also not at full strength here. They did not have Jalen Brown or Gordon Hayward or Daniel Tice, three of their top you know, eight players or so. But Kemba Walker did play in this spot. The Hawks ended up opening as nine-point underdogs in this game. It went to 10 on the news that Kemba Walker was going to be playing as he was questionable in this spot, but then it, it zoomed all the way to 13 when Trey Young was ruled out. Um, Obviously, the Hawks cover that spread, and that's usually a pretty pretty good indication that the Hawks play pretty well, and I would uh, back that up in sort of the broad strokes terms. But this is obviously a tough spot for any team, especially for Atlanta on the road against a good Boston team, and uh, they, played very, they played very well um, sort of in aggregate. To the game itself, early on, it was kind of a mess. Um, in the opening minutes, and Lloyd Pierce even talked about this after the game. If, they, if not for the first five minutes of this game, the Hawks would have been in great shape. The Hawks actually scored first on a, on a John Collins free throw, but then from there it was a 9-0 run by Boston and then actually an 11-0 run after a timeout. So they're down by 10 in a hurry, and suddenly it's 24-10 to in favor of Boston because Boston opened 
9 of 10 from the floor, and 6 of 6 from 3. So the Celtics were unconscious, and the Hawks were not playing very well in the first few minutes of this game, and that put Atlanta behind the eight ball from the start of the game on. The Hawks did go very, very small after that. It actually worked um, for a little while there. It was Brandon Goodwin, Kevin Herter, Travion Graham, DeAndre Hunter, and then Vince Carter at the 5 during that stretch. That that lineup started off um, in what became a 12-0 run by the Hawks to get back within two. Boston didn't score for almost five and a half minutes to let the Hawks back in this game and give them some confidence. Um, it was certainly wavering in the early going there, and if Boston had kept it going for a while longer, it might have got ugly. But the Hawks, to their credit, bounced back with vigor and uh, actually got to, got to the line 12 times in the first quarter. They had 21 points combined from Kevin Herter and John Collins, who both, both played quite well in this game. Um, the Hawks played eight guys for really the entire game, the only exception being about a 20-second uh, stint at the end of the first quarter when they went to Charlie Brown for one possession to, I guess, save fouls or something like that defensively. But Charlie was, the, was sort, of, sort of the odd man out because the Hawks only had nine guys available. All those injuries with the background, it's just kind of important to just say it out loud sometimes that the Hawks had four players on the bench available and only one of, uh, one of them didn't play. So they played eight guys the entire time, basically. Um, and uh, very, very shorthanded. And again, to their credit, they were able to overcome that for the most part. In the second quarter, of this game, um, the Hawks actually started off pretty well. In fact, Atlanta's overall run was 25 to nine between the middle of the first quarter and the beginning of the second quarter to take the lead. Um, Boston missed 15 of their of their 17 shots at one point, uh, but from there, Boston did, did re- retake control with a 10-0 run. The Hawks, the Hawks had sort of their only other drought of the game um, to that point it was sort of a, they, didn't, they didn't score for about three and a half minutes. But then the Hawks had another run of their own back with an 8-0. At that point, it was basically a major game of runs. There was the one run by Boston to open the game up, then a big run from the Hawks, then a big run from the Celtics, and a big run from the Hawks. <laughs> it was kind of funny, that four, that four of uh, symmetry there to go back and forth, back and forth, and it was suddenly a tie game uh, near the middle of the second quarter. John Collins and Kevin Herter were fantastic in the first half of this game to have the Hawks actually leading by one point at the break. Collins and Herter had 33 points combined. Um, the Hawks you know, the Celtics, I, I will say this, Boston gave them some help by missing some shots, but the Hawks' defense definitely stiffened for most of the first half after that first barrage, and the Hawks, you know, up by one at the half, obviously in a good position, all things considered, and uh, we'll pick it up there in a second. But before we get to the rest of the game recap and all of the individual breakdowns, as we always do on the podcast, I want to take a quick second to talk, about, talk to you about the good folks at Calm. We talk about physical fitness a lot on the podcast, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with, with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron James and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says getting good sleep and find time to rest is one of the more valuable things that you can do for your body and your mind. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA, you'll get a 40% off of a calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to nature scenes that LeBron loves like rain on leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at, at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on NBA. One more time, that is calm.com slash locked on NBA. 
All right, we're back to uh, talk about the third quarter and beyond here. Uh, back and forth, I would say, early on in the fourth quarter. Uh, sorry, in the third quarter. The, the one thing that I circled to make, make sure I mentioned was that Damian Jones attempted a three. It did not go very well, but it's something that definitely happened um, in that early portion of the third quarter. And then Boston took control. The third quarter on the whole was pretty ugly, and most of it was this 27-8 to overall run that featured a 17-4 run in the middle of it and a 10-0 run also in the middle of it with 10 straight points by Boston. Um, suddenly, Boston goes from down two to up 17. It was 27 to 8, sort of a slow bleed, honestly. Um, there wasn't like one moment or two that just kind of broke it open, but the Hawks just could not score efficiently in the third quarter, and Boston just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and suddenly, suddenly it was a 17-point lead. I will circle, it was a big three by Jeff Teague at the end of the period. The Hawks were down 17 on the final on the final possession, then Jeff hits a three to cut it to 14, and it, it, might, it might seem small, but going from 17 to 14, actually, I, th- I thought was actually a pretty big shot there from Jeff Teague to make things seem a little bit closer than they probably actually were. In the third quarter, though, the Hawks were 6 of 21 from the floor and 2 of 10 from 3. Boston shot 50% from the floor and hit 5 threes of their own. Um, aside from Collins and Herter, there wasn't too much going on there through three quarters, and suddenly the Hawks are down by 14 points and in big trouble. You know, because I, I tweeted tweet this at even in the moment, but the Hawks down 14 with basically, you know, a very short bench um, on the road, tough environment, good team. That's, that's a tough spot for the Hawks. So, again, major credit to them for coming back in the way that they, that, that they were able to do in the fourth quarter. Um, down 16. Pretty quickly in the fourth quarter, then was a 12-3 run spurred by Brandon Goodwin, who was fantastic in the fourth quarter, and Kevin Herter as well. Got within seven with about nine minutes to go. A good stretch also from Travion Graham, who I thought thought played very well in this game. He had a big three during that run. Um, There was a moment where I thought I might get away from them a little bit with Tatum hitting a three for Boston with about four and a half minutes to go to go back up by 11. But then um, on the other side of the floor, Kevin Herter got to the line with a three-point play. That cut the lead back to eight, and that from that point forward, it was a single-digit game the, the entire rest of the way. Vince Carter hit a huge transition three with 3.27 to go to get back within seven. That prompted a timeout by Boston. Then the Hawks got a stop out of the timeout by uh, Tatum missing a corner three, and then Pierce uses Pierce to decide to call a timeout, which which felt kind of weird, but it's one of those timeouts where it's a use it or lose it timeout. So because there's a mandated timeout thing without going too deep, too deep into that, if the Hawks, you know, Wanted to use that timeout. They, they kind of did it without without penalty because they were they would have lost it anyway. So Pierce uses it there. I think probably smartly, even though it's kind. I know it just kind of takes forever, but it's probably a smart thing to do. Um, and then out of, out of that timeout, John Collins scores, and suddenly the Hawks are down by five points at one hundred one to ninety six. I will say. For most of the fourth quarter, it was kind of odd. The Hawks went away from John Collins, who had been really eating the entire game. He had 24 points through three, through three quarters and then did not score for the first nine minutes of the fourth. Um, they kind of just went away from him, kind of inexplicably. I'm not really sure why, and I wish they had gone back to him more often. He was still a factor at the, at the end of the game, and his numbers looked fantastic. Um, but I thought that was at least worth pointing out. That it was kind of strange that the Hawks just did that were not feeding him as much as they probably should have been for most of the fourth quarter. Still, the Hawks did come back, obviously. Um, they did lose their one I would say the biggest breakdown of the fourth quarter defensively was a possession after that after that um, bucket by Collins where they lost Romeo Langford on a corner three he made it to go back up by eight points um, that put the Hawks in a tough spot. They did go back and forth from there with Brendan Goodwin uh, kind of doing a bunch of fantastic things, honestly. Um, and suddenly, um, at one hundred, at 108 to 100, there was an alley-oop from Marcus Smart to Lankford to go by, up by eight points. Then, but Goodwin came back, hit a step back, a gorgeous, by the way, step back three to cut it to 108 to 103, which is a little bit of time remaining. Then Collins got a steal and found Goodwin again to score, and that was the biggest the biggest swing of the game. So it went from 108 to 105 in kind of the blink of an eye between that step back through by Goodwin and that layup by Goodwin after the steal by Collins. And then Goodwin almost got another steal. Um, that was a really bad pass by Tatum, which people probably 
I guess, picturing in their mind right now as they listen to this. Tatum threw a very lazy pass. Goodwin was about a quarter second too late and had kind of had to go through Kemba's body to get the steal. It was a foul. Um, it was just, it would have been a great steal if he had made it. And I think he saw it coming the whole way. Just didn't quite get there in time. He fouls down three. Kevin makes both to go by five points. So the Hawks are suddenly behind the eight ball again, down five. But um, Herter then found Collins for a dunk to cut it back to three. And then the Hawks, to their credit, forced a good defensive possession and forced Tatum into a pretty bad shot, honestly. A pretty pretty much a heave in the corner that did, that did not go in. Suddenly the Hawks get a rebound and they gather the ball, call timeout, down three with 18 seconds remaining. So after all that, Atlanta is down one possession with the game on the line, last possession, shot clock off, et cetera, et cetera. They went with Goodwin, Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Vince Carter, and John Collins on the floor together. They got a contested three from Herter that he missed. It was not a bad look, not, not a great look either, but he certainly could have made it. He missed that one, but then a great tap by DeAndre Hunter right back to Brendan Goodwin, who had a wide-open three, top of the key, and it just didn't fall. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where I think everyone um, sort of in unison thought that was going to go in because Goodwin had it going in a big way in the fourth quarter. He was fantastic, um, and you can't really ask for a better shot than that in that spot. You know, can't really criticize Goodwin either, who was you know one of the bigger reasons why the Hawks were in this game at the end. It's just one of those things. The shot didn't the shot didn't go in. Boston gets the rebound. The Hawks have to foul, and after he makes um, after Langford makes both, the game is over with two seconds to go. So, you know, all that said, a, again, a very valiant effort to come back by Atlanta from where they were, you know, down 16 early in the fourth quarter, um, down 14 at the end of the third quarter, um, even down eight with, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes to go after that, after that alley-oop dunk from, uh, from Smart to Langford, a lot of, you know, points that the Hawks could have folded up shop and they didn't do that. And at the end of the day, they have, they have a good look at the end of the game to tie the game and send it to overtime. So, uh, again, a great effort there. And by the way, in the fourth quarter, the Hawks hit five threes. They had seven free throws as well. Um, outscored Boston by a nine point margin in the fourth, even though they lost by five points. And then Goodwin himself had 12 points in the closing period. And, uh, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Hawks respond to this game, but regardless, I thought you know, Pierce was pretty upbeat after the game. Everybody was pretty happy with the way they played and with good reason. Atlanta's offense in this game was pretty solid, a 110 offensive rating. That is uh, very, very good on the road against a good Boston defense. Granted, Boston was without a couple of their key pieces as well, but still, I thought the Hawks offensively played pretty well for most of this game, and even the bench was pretty good, pretty effective in this spot. Defensively, they struggled at times. Um, still, you know, not terrible. A 115 defensive rating is not good by any means, but the Hawks were weren't like exposed in any huge way here. Um, they gave up a lot of threes, 16 threes for Boston, including seven by Tatum. Some of that's just good shot making. I thought the Hawks played pretty good, pretty decent defense. There wasn't a whole lot of force from a couple of guys, but I thought in general it was a pretty valiant scrambling effort from this um, undermanned team. But uh, yeah, there you go on that. You know, individually, there's lots of breakdown here. On the bench, I mentioned before, Charlie Brown played one possession in this game, so we'll kind of cross him off. The other three guys on the bench played, played all played pretty, pretty darn well, honestly. Travion Graham, 25 minutes. It was his best game as a Hawk. 10 points. Three block shots, five rebounds. He was plus 17 in 25 minutes. He made two threes, which is not something that he all, that he always does. I thought Graham was very good defensively. He scrapped. He was just a very valuable sort of versatile piece in this game, and uh, he was one of the bigger reasons, sort of unsung, that the Hawks were able to compete in the spot. Vince Carter was also pretty good in this game. Ten points, nine rebounds, four assists, four minutes. He was a plus seven in 24 minutes. Actually, he also had two threes of his own, including that big one that cut it from 10 to seven um, pretty late in the fourth quarter. 
and I thought Vince was uh, very effective, even points in small ball center at times. Um, Goodwin was fantastic. As I mentioned before, had 12 in the fourth quarter, but had 21 overall, four assists for Brandon as well. 7-15 seven, seven from the floor, 3 of 9 from 3, 4-4 four, four from the free throw line, another good another good explosive game from Goodwin. He's had a few of these um, sort of clutch, big-time fourth quarter kind of moments for him this season. People were, of course, talking about him getting a full-time, com- full-time contract after the game. I've been voicing that for several months now. I'm expecting that to happen at some point. The rush does not need to happen, though. If you're the Hawks, you don't have to get that to him right now. I think people were sort of demanding it like right this second. Um, I think it's going to come. The Hawks have a roster spot, but they do have flexibility to go ahead and wait until he uh, has a 2A clock expire or something like that if they want to do that. Uh, I think eventually, I've always been saying the last few months, I think Oban's going to have a full-time contract at some point in time. Also, the Hawks... Would like to, I'm sure, get him for more than one year. We'll see how that how that all breaks down. But Goodwin is playing well, and I think he's earning that spot. And I thought it was noteworthy that he, that he closed the game ahead of Jeff Teague, and that was the right decision by far. He was much better than Teague in this game. Um, to the starting lineup, in fact, we'll, we'll just go to Teague now. Five points, four assists, four rebounds for Jeff in 26 minutes. His one field goal of the night was that big three at the end of the third quarter, so I want to give him some credit for that. That was a big shot in this game. But other than that, he was not not very good. Uh, Teague's defense was not very good. I think he um, has not gotten to the rim very often and very effectively since he got into Atlanta. He was 0-5 on twos in this game. Um, just not necessarily playing all that well. I think Goodwin, with his four-shot athleticism, has probably been more effective. It's just one of those things. You know, Teague will have nice moments. I thought he had, he had a good half the other night when he had a lot of uh, sort of spark on, on the defensive end of the floor. And I think you see signs of the old Teague, but, you know, consistently, steadily, he's struggled so far since he got into Atlanta. So he's going to keep playing, I'm sure. But, um, you know, on this night, it was Goodwin by a lot better than Teague. And I want to at least circle that and come back to it. Damian Jones was pretty quiet. I, th- I thought he was, um, you know, hot and cold as he's wont to be. Two points, four rebounds. Did have two steals and a block shot um, to go with 21 minutes of play. Uh, J- Jones was not very good uh, in this game. Um, not a huge surprise there, but he was the only healthy full-time center that the Hawks had available here. So he did play a decent amount, but they ended up going to Collins at center for a lot of this game, and that was probably the right decision given the way that things were going and the way that Jones was not playing all that well. DeAndre Hunter was bad in this game. Four points. Five rebounds, an assist, and a steal. I thought the first half he had some nice moments defensively. Um, it cooled off from there. He was not playing with a ton of force in this game. One of seven from the floor, one of four from three as well. Just a couple of brain farts from him as well. I don't know. Hunter was just not not very good. I mean, some of that's probably the ankle. I'm not sure if there was some rust there. There was at least something going on with his with his ankle going into the game because he was not fully uh, involved and engaged until um, you know later on. But it's one of those things. Hunter was just not... Very good. You don't have to sugarcoat it too much there. He's a rookie. He's going to have some of these moments, and he has. I think it's easy to get down on him right now because there's been a, a lot a lot more of the bad moments recently, I think. Um, maybe a rookie wall or something like that. But, um, you know, the Hawks had to have him in this game. He played 35 minutes, and they needed all of 35, but uh, he did not play particularly well. The two guys at the top end, though, did play well, and that was, uh, you know, other than Goodwin's explosive, guy, explosive night, it was Herter and it was Collins. Uh, Herter had 25 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Was not terribly efficient by his standards. He was actually 8 of 22 from the floor, 3 of 10 from 3, but I am totally okay with him taking 22 shots in this game. Herter was the number one option offensively with the ball in his hands for most of this night. Um, he was not incredible, but I thought it was good to see him be aggressive. He was productive and um, you know got to the line 6 times. That's good for him. He's not, he's not always getting to the line at a high level, so good to see him getting to that and helping his efficiency a little bit by getting to the free throw line. I thought he was, I thought he was very good in this game. By the way, 43 minutes for Kevin Herter. That's a lot of time in a regulation game. And uh, he needed, and the Hawks again needed every minute of it because he was very, he was very effective and uh, the Hawks needed all of it. And then of course, Sean Collins, 30 points, 10 rebounds, had a steal and a block as well. 10 of 19 from the floor, nine of 10 from the free throw line, one of four from three. 
I mentioned before, I wish Collins would have been a bigger part of the uh, offensive game plan at times in the fourth quarter, but um, when it mattered, he was still prominently involved, and in the first half, he was kind of carrying a lot of water for the Hawks. He was just very good in this game. It's, it's a reminder of what the Hawks can do with him when they are so inclined to do so. You know, I kind of go back and forth. At, at Sometimes it's very nice that Collins can score and be effective without having to have stuff called for him. On the other hand, I think the Hawks do underutilize him quite a bit at times offensively. So it's, it's sort of finding that balance is a good thing. And obviously the numbers have been very good for John for quite some time now. In fact, I think he's averaging 2010 for the season after this game. But uh, regardless, I thought he was fantastic and the Hawks needed him as well. Um, you know, A lot of balance here. Not a, not a whole lot of guys that just struggle. I think like, sort of ironically, the three guys that I think played the worst for the Hawks were starters in this game. It was Teague, it was Hunter, and it was Jones. I think the other five guys all played average or better in this spot. And uh, that's kind of the ratio that you need to have when you're threatening Boston. Uh, and by the way, on the Boston side, it was basically Cantor and Tatum that did almost all the damage for Boston. Uh, also, Lankford had a good game off the bench as a rookie. But other than that, I mean, the Hawks played well. You can't expect to win this game. I understand that. Um, they were competitive for the, for the most part, and the third quarter was the big one you want to circle where the Hawks lose 33-18. to But, you know, it's going to happen, and I thought, as a big picture takeaway, I think the Hawks played well, and you can't really ask for much more than that. The Hawks will come home after this. They will play on Sunday at 6 o'clock against the Knicks. That's a game where the Hawks might be favored. Uh, in fact, if Trey Young plays, I expect the Hawks to be favored because I think the Hawks are better than the Knicks. Um, not, not every time this season have I, been, have, I, have, have I been able to say that out loud, but when you combine the Knicks not being very good with the Hawks playing at home on regular rest, and I assume Trey will be back for that spot. If the Hawks are at full strength, we'll see if Devin plays, especially if that adds to it. Um, if the Hawks have more than one healthy center, that would help as well. But there's a possibility that the Hawks look a lot more like they should have looked most of the season in that game. If you put Debman in there as a full-time, you know, capable center, uh, maybe maybe even Bruno by then. We'll see how that goes, but um, we'll see how that team looks on Sunday night, and I'll be in the building for that one, have plenty of coverage from that spot against New York. So, with that said, thank you for listening to the podcast. I, pretty, I really appreciate that. I'm going to probably, hopefully, get some sleep between now and Sunday because it's been quite a week but uh, hopefully everybody, everybody enjoyed the podcast over the last several days. Please, 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 please subscribe. Please tell a friend or two or three. Help us help us to spread the word. As I said before a couple, couple times in the podcast, we're going to be covering a lot of game stuff between now and the end of the season, but there'll be a lots of draft coverage. The Hawks have that, have that top 10 pick um, most likely coming in the near future, so we'll have plenty of draft coverage um, wire to wire when it comes to between like mid-April and late June. It'll be a lot of draft coverage, etc. So we're not going away anytime soon buckle up we have 29 games to go also to cover in this space so subscribe tell a friend and we'll see everybody after the game on sunday